Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Open Mike Eagle recording live from the internet. Y'all know me, though. Y'all heard my voice for a long, long time. So this time I'm coming back at you, but I'm not coming alone. The Black Prince, could I be right? I brought the legendary Prince. World-famous disc jock, inventor of the skit in hip-hop, and damn, we won a Grammy with Chris Rock, yeah. On behalf of the super fans, yeah, cause I'm one, and the answers are for everybody. He got stories, so I asked for one. We having fun and laughs, cause he has a ton, yeah. And like that, a podcast begun, cause he answered, well, what had happened was. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Open Mike Eagle, and welcome to What Had Happened Was. I'd like to introduce my guest, who is the same guest every time. That's right. It's the one and only Mr. Prince Paul, y'all. One and only, never phony. You're never. My homie, my stromie. Oh. Yeah. You freestyling this time? Uh, kind of. Okay. Yeah. A little tired freestyling. <laughs> all right. It's a tired style. It's all good. Tired style. That's funny. Tired style. Tired style. Well, we should make that remix. Tired style. <laughs> right. For middle-aged hip-hop men. Tired style. Mm. Well, here on what had happened was we do deep dives on the celebrated career of uh, Mr. Prince Paul, and um, well, actually, no, we celebrated. <laughs> just, just in case other people aren't celebrating hard enough that's what we're going to do and on this episode we're going to do a deep dive on a group that you started and were involved with that is very near and dear to my heart they are the grave diggers wow yeah yeah that's right we're going to dig your grave <laughs> <laughs> dig your grave so that's right on the on the first album um I believe it said that grave diggers is a metaphor for like resurrecting. Yeah, the mentally dead. Okay. You know, you're talking like you don't know, man. Well, I do know, but I'm in front of the expert. And you know what I'm not going to do is mess it up. You, you're acting mentally dead, man. We're the ones we're rapping for you, my brother. That's true. That's true. So it being a metaphor, right? Like, because the whole concept of the grave diggers as a group. This is all your brainchild, right? To even start with? Yeah. Even before it was the name, The Grave Diggers, uh-huh. the whole thing was a few artists trying to get back on <laughs> to right. the music industry. And you got to understand, this is Prince Rakim before he became the RZA, uh-huh. which he named himself in my house, I, I might add. <laughs> a little fun fact that happened in my basement. Um, Too Poetic, who was part of Too Poetic with Tommy Boy and Fuquan, who was in Setasonic along with me. So you said they were, it's about them getting back on. So yeah. So they had all had previous careers. Yeah. Um, you know, RZA or Prince Rakim had Ooey Love You Rakim. Uh-huh. Poetic had God Made Me Funky. And, and Fuquan was formerly of Stetsasonic because they had left the group early. Right. So I just had a label with Russell Simmons on RAL, Rush Associated Labels. And that fell through, and it was called Doodoo Man Records. Doodoo Man, Records. yeah, yeah. Figured why? Why would why would Doodoo Man ever fail? But it did <laughs> fail. 
It failed. And so I was in a depressed state, and I was like, you know, now mind you, it's before the Avenger movies came out. I was like, I'm going to get all these guys with great rapping abilities, and I'm going to put them together. We're going to show everybody that we could, you know, defeat whack rappers. I don't know, whatever <laughs> I was thinking at the time. And um, I gave everybody a call, and they said they were cool with it. And they all I met at my house mm -hmm. in Long Island, introduced each other, you know, for the first time, and uh, started making demos. What made you pick those four, or those three people to start with? Well, RZA, I've known him, man, uh, since the late 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, I met him through his manager, Mel Kwan, and we started making demos together. You and him? Yeah, yeah, I got those joints, man. Ooh, they're crazy. Uh, yeah, we started making demos, and... We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. He To me, he was always just so underrated as an MC. Like, mm -hmm. he's to me, he's just dope. Like, there's things that he's done that I don't think people have, you know, have heard as far as just like his abilities. He's just dope. Put it like that. Same with Poetic. He lives in Long Island. I always thought he was underrated. He had a group with his brother um, and they were called the Brothers Grimm at the time and they okay. made demos and they were, you know, just nuts. Fuquan to me was just way ahead of his time. If you listen to the first Stead album, anything that Stead did, he was kind of rhyming his own way. I mean, like I said, words and styles I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big fan of all of their music and their rhyming abilities. And I just sat and I played their demos back to back. I, I'm actually edited a verse from each of their songs and put it as a song. So you created like a Voltron <laughs> yeah. early Gravediggers demo what? out of individual demos that they had. Yeah. And I took wow. the best verse I put. I was like, yo, they will sound really good together. I hope they get along. <laughs> and uh yeah well man. did they what was that first meeting like 
you know, MCs yeah, and egos. Yeah, like bluster. There's got to be a lot of, you know, there's, there's got to be a lot of posturing happening Man, dude, first. look at each other like, yeah, he's all right, but he ain't better than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, who's this dude? Who's this dude? But they were really receptive. And I think ha- not having a job makes you really receptive. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? I, listen, I, I listen to a lot of people talk when I don't have money. Yeah, man. You're like, what? I want to get down, you know? And uh, no, but they respected each other's skills. Like, yeah, he's cool. Uh-huh. He's not better than me. And I'll say that again. But he's cool. But but they didn't know each other at all. They didn't know each other at all. I don't even know if, aside from the songs, if they knew about each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Other than the music, or because I don't think there was no mutual connection of friends. I was kind of the common denominator for everything. And so you, I believe, by the time Gravediggers started, um, Stetsasonic broke up. Yeah, Stetsasonic. Uh, you know, for the record, Stetsasonic never technically broke up. Okay, we just never called each other back. See, Wikipedia was lying. Yeah, there was never a. a, a there was never a solid breakup. There's no right. letter, no note, no argument. We just, yeah, I haven't heard from you in a few years. <laughs> that was it, you know. But um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was post Stetsasonic, and uh, it I it, I was actually recording um, Bloom Mind State. I think around the time I started putting this demo together. So that's what I was going to ask about. So you're working on De La Soul's third album at that yeah. time. Yeah. So what what is making you want to start another group when you already uh, are, are knee-deep in Dela at the time? Uh, like I said, well, you know, Dela was... Uh, see, that's going to go to another story. Our Dela records were decreasing in popularity. I you know, see. Three Feet High and Rising was such a huge record. Uh-huh. And to follow that with De La Soul's Dead, which now we're talking about mad years later, people are like, oh, it's a great album. But when it came time. out, people were like, eh, you know, it's cool. <laughs> and then, you know, now it's Balloon Mind State, you know, things were getting getting a little shaky. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't like there was like some cool stability there. And being an artist, you want to explore and create and do other things. Uh, like I said, I had the label before then, but having that label was very depressing. <laughs> you, know right. you know what I'm saying? I put a, a lot of work into um, putting that music together for it to kind of get shut down. So it was. This was like you know, I'll show them. Watch what other what other projects did you put out on that label? Um, I had uh, Resident Alien. We had uh-huh. a song called Ooh, the Doodoo Man. But we had a whole... You really uh, this doodoo man thing. Uh, you what? were really trying it. His name is Look, oh, man, I... I <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another story another time. But it was... A great idea, and I had a good concept at the time, a good marketing idea at the time. What was the marketing idea? The first thing, the Udu Doodoo Man video, mm-hmm. was I was trying to make, initially I was trying to make a commercial. Okay. Um, and can we not talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this, is, this is Let's get back to the Gravediggers, please. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah, you got right. me going on a totally different... <laughs> let, let, let's say that for like another episode or something where I could just cry through the whole thing. Well, man. you know, we're always here for your tears, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is also going to be a black man crying podcast. <laughs> just, just know that now. So you bring this group together. Yes. They're getting along. Yes. Um, so the next question would be um, the image, right? Because it's the grave diggers. And so you got 
too poetic and now he's the grim reaper and you got um prince rakim who's now the resurrector and right um prince paul's the gatekeeper no 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 no. i was the undertaker you're the undertaker i'm sorry get get it right get it right i I could have been i was gonna be the paul bearer (laughs) 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 but you know what i decided that would have been a little too cheesy a little too on the nose yeah so (laughs) i i let i let it go yeah i mean we got to talk about the name, the Gravediggers, anyway. Right. Uh, we were sitting around thinking of a name. Uh-huh. Let's think of a name. Think of a name. You got an idea for a name? I don't have an idea for a name. Everybody's going back and forth. Uh, God rest his soul, Poetic, will say he made up the name, but mm-hmm. I have to say that RZA made up the name. And then following the name was, all right, we're the Gravediggers. Yeah, that's that's dope. All right. So what's our individual names? And, that, and as you had mentioned, all the names went uh-huh. around. And RZA... And I say this again. He made the name in my house. He's like, I'm going to be the Resurrector. Mm. I'm going to spell it R-Z-A. And I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we kind of made up the names on the spot. And then, you know, we started talking more. And we was like, yo, we're going to use the, the horror stuff as the imagery. But the lyrics are going to be raising people from the mentally dead. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those things where, okay, you, it, the 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 heart imagery or real you when you go okay what's this about because you know hip hop has never been that right but you know we're gonna talk about just some everyday struggle and more or less I guess uplifting so and on the dark side so you do come with with the image um, and and it's a grave digger so it's deathly it's 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 scary in a way like you said the hip hop. Is never really out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Vincent Price. Um, was everybody completely with it? Like, because because I could see, I could at least in thinking about it, right? Because hip hop is always super concerned with being authentic, being street, being this, being that. Was there any concern with anybody from the group about like, oh, this is a little too way out? No, not at all. Everybody was 100% in. If anybody was probably not as deep in it, would probably be me. Really? Yeah, like everybody else was like really, really because God, <laughs> all all I all I cared was just getting the music out. You know, we could have been the the house painters for all I cared. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, I just knew I had these beats. I knew they were, I had the best MCs in the world in my head, and I just wanted to get it out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as far as like the concept of the group, which and in time, really grew on me. You know, mm-hmm. initially I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. Let's get the record done. Right. But as we started to really get into it and, and I started hearing the lyrical content and then their passion towards it, that made me more passionate about it. So you put this out under your imprint? No. Okay. No. It, this, it, was, oh, this was after the the Russia, the, yeah. the doo-doo man. Yeah, that, oh, that okay. folded. Yeah, that, that crashed and burned. And so then you bring this project to who? Like what, what you know, what <laughs> oh, business oh, entity? Oh, let me tell you this journey. All right. So here it is. I'm feeling all hurt. I'm crying. There's a lot of crying going on for Prince Paul. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, my label failed, and but I'm going to show them I got the best MCs in the world. I get all these guys together, and now I make this incredible demo. To me, it's like one of the best things I've ever made. And I remember, <laughs> I remember that before I shopped it, I played it for a few people. I played it for Dayla, and I'm like, yeah, check out this thing I made, and da-da-da. And I remember this because uh, Dave used to have... Uh, A.K.A. True Goy used to have a new 
think it was 325i BMW. And I played it because we was on our way to the studio uh, making uh, uh, Balloon Mind State. And I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> oh, I played for these kids in, in Texas. I had to do, I think it was uh, South by Southwest before it became big. Right. Where it's, it was just like a little small segment of black people outside of the, the festivities they made. Uh-huh. It's funny how now it's like it's all encompassing and, you know, but, you know, there was very little hip hop to none. Gotcha. Right. I played it for my boys out there. They were like, eh, if you like the type of thing. Whoa. <laughs> you know? But F it. I know I got the best thing ever. I go to shop it. Everybody turns it down. Mm. Uh, of course, I take it to uh, Def Jam because I, you know, I just want to take it to them. And uh, they don't like it. But weirdly enough, they make the flatliners later. But that's another story. Right. So I take it, um, which was kind of dumb, to Tommy Boy, because at this point, I, I'm, now mind you, I took it to other places early, but just going through the places I took it to, uh, and they don't like it. I take it to Jive. Mm-hmm. Um, Jive is interested, but one of the A&R guys, when I heard, when they had the meeting, was like, oh, these guys are washed up. Why do you want them? Mm. Yeah. Paul's played out, you know, re- Prince Rakim had, ooh, we love you, Rakim. They're going by right. this track record. Right. You know, all these guys are, are failures and they're old. Don't sign them. Damn. We don't get signed there. Every label that I could think of, we took it to, nobody wanted it. So we, I'm shopping this thing for a year. Now, mind you, my my whole, like, uh, self-esteem, my any type of, you know, insecurities, everything is just all crumbling. I'm like, but this is the best thing I've ever made. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, it, and... A year goes by, a uh, little, little under a year. And it, it's funny, every time I tell the story, I forget to tell this. I get a, a, a call from Easy e Ruthless Records. Oh, wow. He wants to, uh, he's interested in signing the group. Cool. I fly out to LA, I meet <clears throat> with Easy and Jerry Heller. And you already, you've, you've known, you've met Easy E previously. Yeah, I've, right. I've, I've toured with them and, and uh, with when I was with uh, Stetson Sonic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we bumped into each other a few times. Not, God rest his soul. Nice, nice dude, man. Like, right. So I go to his office. <laughs> I remember this vividly. I go to his office. Hey, Paul, how you doing? It's like, yo, what's going on? It's like, yeah, I like this gravedigger thing. And he tosses the tape. I think on his desk or something like that. Yeah, like, just playing real cool with it. I'm like, yeah, he's like, I, I want to sign you guys. I'm like, oh, sounds good. He's like, Jerry's going to gonna, gonna uh, draw up a contract, you know, and, um, yeah, I'm very interested. This is, this is post-Novaseline, Jerry <laughs> Heller, right? This was 92, 93. Okay, yeah, so people, people know what's up. Yeah, so... <laughs> He, uh, you know, I'm like, cool. Um, but while I, you know, I'm a big NWA fan. Like, that's mm-hmm. part of my, uh, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 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 the re- the styling that I got when I made the Gravediggers in general. Okay. You know, uh, but anyway, I, 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 I get the, uh, the contract and it's really bad. <laughs> oh my God, it was bad. It was almost as bad as me saying, 
can I pay you to make my record? <laughs> but like this, we waited this long to get a deal. It would have hurt me to sign that deal just right. to have a deal. Right. You know. So you turned down that deal. Like how, does yeah, it, how does Easy take that? Uh, you know, honestly, I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, but I'm sure he couldn't care less. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was interested. It wasn't like, I need the grave diggers. Right. You know, he was in his own thing at the time. Um, so... I'm holding out, you know. Meanwhile, Poetic uh, was, I think he was homeless for some part of this time. Hmm. And he was staying at his uh, at his sister's-in-law's house, sister's house. I can't remember exactly. Um, and he was about to go work at a bagel, a bread, a bread factory, a bagel factory in Long Island. He's like, Paul, I can't wait long. I really got to get, you know, working and I got to focus on this. RZA at this time had started, had put out um, Protect Your Neck mm -hmm. uh, independently. So he was like, yo, I'm going to put this out in the meantime. You know, Paul, let, let me know if something happens. Yeah, Paul's going the traditional route. Fuquan was making clothes, I think, or something at the time in his house because he, he designs clothes. He used to. I don't know if he does that anymore. It was one of those things where I was like, yo, I'm going to give this one more month. After that, I guess I'm going to give up. It's, it'll be a solid year. Mm -hmm. Literally, probably the day before that I said the year is up, I get a call um, saying that um, G Street is interested in signing the record. And I was like, what? Met with um, um, John Baker up at G Street. Um, the meeting was good. Um, the terms wasn't bad. And we signed with G Street. Now, here goes something that's very interesting that people don't know. And it's funny that nobody ever talks about, especially people at G Street uh, who worked there at the time, was Rizzo was a little skeptical about signing because he had just started developing a deal with Loud. And he didn't want to have to be tied to anything specifically uh, any deals, anything, so he could have a little movement to right. record with Wu-Tang or if you wanted to do his solo stuff or whatever the case is. People at G Street was like, you don't need him. You know, don't, 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 you know, because the focus, I guess, more was this is Prince Paul's project. Now, mind you, I'm at that at that point in time, I was the hot commodity right. <laughs> or the hotter commodity. You have established records that is right. sold. And, and So the more importance was sign me and, and the rest of the guys. And I was like, I'm not doing it unless he signs. He's part of the group. He, you know, is big reason why I put the group together. You know, and, and then he's put out "Protect Your Neck" with the Wu Tang at this point, just yeah. kind of underground. Yeah. So they're not paying attention to that at all. No, nah, they're, they're seeing the buzz, but they're just like, yeah, you know, that's cool. They think it's a fly by night. Thing. Yeah, maybe I can't say what they're saying, but mm -hmm. it, it, they acted as though that's what it was. So I insisted upon they figure out and come to some type of agreement to have him sign. He signs. You know, whatever deal they had made along with making the Gravedigger album. And later on, they do the the Bobby Digital record. Mm -hmm. But I put, I'd made this record called Psychoanalysis, and they would have had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's made out the table's wow. turn. I'm like, I got to say, yeah, 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 yeah. Right now, the RZA is making his <laughs> solo record, Paul. I don't we know don't if you've heard of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like that. I was like, what? <laughs> I brought you, nobody was feeling this wow. dude. Nobody, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I think that's why me and Riz have a good report nowadays. I've always been pro him, and I've, we've always been the same since those days. Yeah. Um, but 
it's amazing how, you know, once the popularity comes in, everybody's like... They they forget my introduction to him, my right. you know championing him his his styling and how good he is and <laughs> it's not yeah but yeah we forgot about that yeah Paul didn't do anything yeah, yeah. so y'all signed with G Street yeah uh, and then uh, y'all start making the album at that point yeah because uh, you had only made the demo previously yeah we made the demos at my house and then we start making the album at a place called uh, Firehouse Studios so. The image is pretty clear, like we said. There's this horrorcore aesthetic, or what that would come to be known as horrorcore, because right. y'all didn't come up with that genre. Right? Uh, you know who came up with that? It was a writer named Havelock Nelson. Havelock Nelson. That Hav- sounds like a bunch of submission <laughs> moves put together. <laughs> you know, it, it, and and in this in this time, he was a very popular, uh, you know, hip hop writer. Uh-huh. Believe it or not, and and this was the worst thing. And I remember this clearly was in the uh, in the one of those meeting rooms at G Street. And he's like, guys. Oh, no. It's one of those things. He walks in. <laughs> guys, I have the perfect name for this music you guys are doing. Horrorcore. <laughs> and we're like, no, no. He's like, yes. And then, and then the next thing you know, it's printed Horrorcore. Oh, my gosh. And So that was like on y'all's marketing materials and all of that, too? I, 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 don't, I don't remember, but he coined that whole Horrorcore thing. So, yeah, that wasn't my idea. Where are we going for that, you know? So the image is, is pretty well defined. Yes. Uh, and y'all start making an album. Do you already know what you want it to sound like as you go in and start making these records? Well, I'd established a sound in the demos. And a lot of those sounds was based upon depression. Because I was just so freaking depressed after my whole label debacle all the music was coming out dark and i mm. think that's part of the reason which i neglected to mention earlier why the name the gravediggers came out because all the music i played for them was dark and it was mm. so which evoked dark you know darker emotions and so i was on the path already so whatever i had i just kept going on that on that vibe and i was still feeling that way you gotta understand i, I got rejected for a whole year i didn't i didn't get a date to the prom you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'd go to somebody else's prom. You know what I'm saying? It was horrible. So as as you guys are starting to record and, and you know, these guys didn't have much of a relationship with each other. You put them together. It's working out. Um, what are the dynamics like in the studio? You got four cats or, th- you know, th- you as a producer and three dudes who right. are used to being a star. I know Fruquan's been in a group, but he left the group. So. Right. How is it like managing their dynamics in the studio? Well, I think the good thing is they had a lot of respect for each other. And that always helped. At that point, RZA was starting to work or fit, or in the midst of working on the first Wu-Tang, I think 36 Chambers. Mm-hmm. And, and he was getting really busy. So he was in and out. Okay. So it was one of those things like at, at you know, our studio sessions at 8 p.m., Fuquan... And Poetica there, and we're ready to record. Yeah, Rizzo would roll in when he had time. <laughs> you know, say so he'd roll like, but but this is the amazing thing. This is why I, why why I love Rizzo so much. Like we'd work on something, we have an idea, and he'll walk in. Yo, so what are you guys doing? Okay, let me hear the beat. All right, yo, sparks for the dogs. <laughs> and he would just knock it out. I'm like, what? For you know, dudes be sitting there for a couple of hours writing stuff down. Yo, 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 son, and it's and just knock it out. He was just always, and which made them even at some point would go, I could do better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, 
So he was really in the mode of creativity and he was doing something that's bubbling on his own. So he's bringing some of that energy into y'all sessions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he would, he was, he was definitely very dynamic. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody in the group brings something and bring their, their, their own stylings and, and, you know, yeah, how poetic is eh, 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 all over the place. And, you know, Fuquan is usually like laid back and, but Riz's energy would definitely come in and kind of, alter things at times right. <laughs> you know what i'm saying um or he's like yo yo that's cool nah that's corny kid yo let's go with uh let's try blah 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 and yeah. then we go in that and he'd be right you know um or sometimes he you know respectfully he would so he would say you know something like yo i like fuquan's flow yo let's do that you know and he'd pick up on that oh and like do like the same kind of pattern right on a song. yeah okay. yeah so you know but if he if he didn't feel something, he'd be the first. You know, usually people are like, yeah, you know, nah, nah, that's that's corny. <laughs> you know so he saying? would just come in talking like that. I mean, for the most part, or and wouldn't necessarily say, but he would go his own directions. Go, I think it's this. Okay. And like I said, nine times ten, he was right. Was know? he good at taking direction too? Oh yeah, I mean, I think that's the good thing about our relationship. It, it was based upon me teaching him mm. because you gotta understand he was younger, so. Us going into the studio, me showing him how to work the SB12, um, just, the, I guess, just the formalities of being in the studio um, had extended to even then. Yo, Paul, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you, you, you know you, you're, the, you're the leader of all this. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? So it made it easier for me, you know, to have uh, the final say-so in most cases, Um and like I said, it it would it just made it easy for me to direct him too because he wasn't on some like yo you know who I am right protect your neck kid you know wasn't <laughs> wasn't crazy like that because it's getting used and they you know they 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 come in with this they come in the industry with this crazy deal and making noise all over the place and get really big is the Wu Tang so there's this whole Wu Tang you know movement and. Was there ever any like confusion with people on whether or not the Gravediggers was like part of the Wu Tang or like what the relationship was? Well, not really. Um, people knew that we were a different entity. You know, clearly the music is is different. How would you say the music is different if if you described it? Well, I would say the Gravedigger record was definitely sequenced tightly. You mm. know what I'm saying? It it was. I put that record. Sound, everything w- was like where it's supposed to be. Painstakingly, yes, meticulously yes, put thank together you, and produced. Thank you. For lack of better words, where Rizza and it would work, and which I learned a lot from, he I I'd watch him. He would like just like bang on the keys. Dang, 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 dang. <laughs> if you up dang, 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 dang. You know, loop stuff <laughs> manually without sequencing and I'm like so it's not quantized doing? It's yeah off the beat. and it and that's the beauty of 36 chambers you know uh uh six feet deep that to me I I was like man this is a production masterpiece you know uh and that's the difference that you hear but Oddly enough, I was more, I started admiring his style. So mm. I, yeah, of course, I was like, yo, why don't you just sequence it? Why don't you? But it worked. Let's play a little bit of Six Feet Deep, because that's actually my favorite song on this uh, project. What's up? This is the Gravedigger Jam session. Well, what's, yeah. today, what's today's date? Today's the 20th, 20th. Friday of May, 1994. 
Which one at GLC Studio? And we'll go like this. <laughs> was that Fruquan actually playing a guitar? Yeah. <laughs> this is all of us playing. Oh, really? And RZA looped it. So that's y'all playing the instruments. <laughs> I have so, I was always wondering like who the players were in this session. <laughs> nah, that's us. Wow. That's uh, Fruquan on the guitar, me on the drums. I think uh, RZA on the piano. Okay. To the A, to the B. To the zigzag, see, right, they got six feet Yeah, I've always loved that <laughs> beat. I didn't realize that that was actually y'all playing the instruments. That's yeah, crazy. that was us. And Riz just added that, yeah. like later on. But yeah, it's like a junkyard band. There's yeah. a whole. It sound like the, like a demented Fat Albert session. <laughs> Yo, it's you know horrible. I mean? Because you know, you know what happened? We was in a studio called GLC, as I mentioned at top. And in GLC, they had a bunch of instruments. And in, just like in the studio, as we're sitting in now, piano, drums. Mm -hmm. So we're just like, ha, 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 being dumb. <laughs> and then it was like, yeah, why don't you record on that? So we're just recording stuff and just acting silly. And then uh, RZA took the dat. And there was a bunch of ill stuff. Because we're just, you know, figuring things out. And uh, he took that part and made that six feet deep out of it. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's junkyard bad. <laughs> and so, so then he loops it, he makes the beat, and then he brings it back in the session, and then catches writing rhymes. To, yeah, to that, 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 and it, it's uh, uh, it's one of those sessions as me and you had a conversation earlier that was like when I'm lockout, you know, like yeah. you know, all night long. Four, yeah, yeah, cats are like. Four in the morning, sleeping on the couch, waking up rhyming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was one of those things. I remember that uh, Rizzo had just bought the ASR 10, and he brought it into the studio. You think he brought it or we rented one. And all I remember it was him just banging that joint out. And they're like, oh, just writing, you know, writing rhymes and stuff to it. Yeah, he's, uh, those were the days. I don't know if I could, <laughs> if I could hang all night in the studio now. <laughs> I talk a good game, but I don't know if I could. I feel you, man. I, I never could. Um, <laughs> so y'all start putting this masterpiece of an album together. So it's getting ready to come out. You know, you got marketing materials and all that, like showing this horror core image, right? Like how how do people react to seeing these images? Ooh, well, let me tell you the first thing is that I guess what helped um, put the image out was we did our first video. Mm-hmm. And it, it was actually, uh, fun fact, the first video that Hype Williams ever shot. Wow. It was a Hype Williams video, and it got banned. What? So it wasn't shown MTV raps. Nobody would show it. This isn't Diary of a Madman. Diary of a Madman. Be a witness as I exercise my exorcism. The evil that lurks within the sin, the terrorism. Possessed by evil spirits, voices from the dead. I come forth with grave diggers in a head full of dread. I've been examined it got shown on like video music box and little local video shows but you know the the bigger establishments you know I don't think BT would play it either it got banned wow why did it get banned I guess maybe they thought the imagery was too much wow which well, did that did that help <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> not at all we made this video nobody could see <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying and it wasn't like all oh, the controversial grave diggers you know it, it got ex <laughs> it, the, the ex it was weird because you gotta understand this is the time Wu Tang comes out, Craig Mack's coming out, 
Biggie Smalls coming out. Okay. The the landscape of music is changing. I made this in the era of NWA. Like right. I started making this demo 91. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I put the group like, yeah, around 91. So that's the vibe that I made this album off of. Um, so people were kind of looking at it like, was this a gimmick? Mm-hmm. This is gimmick, gimmick, gimmick. When when the whole new thrust is keep it real, keep right. the street, Timberlands and all of that. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is, you know, it, it, the vibe was changing. Um, but I think it was undeniably good music. So mm-hmm. it made people kind of teeter. This is dope, but I don't know if this is real enough, but it's dope. <laughs> you know, so it it, it kind of got the acceptance, but not the acceptance. It kind of, you know, it was teetering. Mm-hmm. It was teetering, you know. Um, but it, it, it got played. And we may actually made the uh, most requested on Hot 97 at, at, at one point in time. Um, where the record got played a lot. And I remember Funkmaster Flex, when we went to his show, I remember him saying, uh, I don't know if he remembers this, but I remember it because it was my record. <laughs> and he said, yeah, he's like, yeah, the record's, you know, I don't know if he said it was okay, but it was kind of in that vibe. Like, yeah, the record's all right. But I have to play it because people are requesting it so much. Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was one of those things like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I could do without it. You know what I'm saying? But hey, people like it, so hey, let's rock with it. We'll get back to a, a deeper discussion, Diary the Madman. Um, kind of near the end of this, but um, I wanted to get into a little bit of like dollars and cents with the record, right? Right. Like you talk about a you know lock in session. You got all these instruments. You know, I, I, was this an expensive record to make? Man, honestly, this is one record that I don't remember the exact finances on it. And I don't think it was that expensive to make um, because the studios that we used, since I was uh, running, I guess, the producer, I always kept things as cheap as possible Uh because my concept in making any record is whatever money I have now is money that I know that I have. I don't bank on having a royalty. Right. Ever. (laughs) Ever. I don't ever look at, you know, oh man, I'm going to sell and this will happen, royalties. and No. What I have in my hand is what I have in my hand. So I'm trying to spend as little as possible. (laughs) So when I talk about Firehouse Studios, when I talk about GLC and all places um, that we worked at, those places were, and this is, we're talking about back in the day, were about $50, $40 an hour, where the average nice studios, like the ones that Puffy and them go to, Mm -hmm. were like a buck and better, like $100 Mm -hmm. an hour and better. Keep real studio. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) I kept this thing at, you know, at minimal cost so we could have some some money. Um, So I don't think it was that much. The the actual amount, I don't know, it's probably under, maybe under $150,000 to make the album. And that's paying everybody in studio and whatever else we had to pay, you know. Do you have a memory of, like, what the expectations were from G Street and, like, how it would do, you know? Um, I think I think initially when they signed it, it was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. We like it. But I think after time went on, we recorded and Wu-Tang did so big. Mm. Okay, now we have one of the guys from Wu-Tang. I think the expectations built up a bit more. Right. You know, not to have the Wu-Tang numbers, but, you know, but, you know, we should do pretty, pretty well. You know, I think our single diary, if I remember correctly, sold over 100,000 singles, um, which in those days was like, it's all right. 
Today, you'd be like, what? <laughs> you saw 100, back then, it was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, it, it did okay. So, but like I said, it wasn't anything groundbreaking mm-hmm. at do the you, time. Do you remember how the album did as a whole? Not at all. Okay. I, I need, I, man, I need to look up those numbers. <laughs> yeah, you might have some accounting to do. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I think part of it is like, I didn't want to ever get my feelings hurt. That's you know? real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, I, I, I should look that up. I should look it up. In my mind, it should have been gold, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think if anything, we probably sold like three hundred thousand copies, maybe. Did it feel like a success? No. Okay. It felt like it felt like it was moderate. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it didn't feel like it was like oh my god, the grave diggers, and then feel like oh man, it was whack. Like we were hovering mm-hmm. right in the middle somewhere. You know. Um, my hopes that it was going to blow up. Cause it, to me, this was my baby. Like, right. I think out of all the albums that I've worked on, this is probably more near and dear to my heart in a lot of ways than other albums. And that's more based upon the struggle it took to make this record, mm-hmm. the letdowns, the camaraderie of the group. You know what I'm saying? Like we built a bond through, through this album and I became closer with the guys through, through this record. And because, you know, when you go through something, it brings you closer. And we were all at one point at the very beginning, we're going through some tough times. Like, you know, um, it's safe to say, and I would never talk about it before, but now since he put on the documentary, uh, you know, RZA just got out of a jail situation. Like Mm -hmm. he was going to go up for a long time. And, me calling him was right off of that. Was probably like within months of him getting out of that situation. And in that's Ohio. to do the demo, or that's to, to do the demo. And me calling him because he's like, "Yo, thank you so much for giving me a call. You know, I'm I'm trying to, you know, I feel like I have I have a second shot at life and mm. doing things. So this, you know, it came at a good time. So you know, poetic was homeless. This happened. You know, so we were all going through a thing. So when I listen to that record, it's not just like, oh, the grave diggers, you know, we're going to dig the grave. It's like we banded together. It's like real people in very real situations coming together to like have a have a second life in many instances right yeah yeah yeah. and that and that that brought us i think close uh at that given time so yeah i mean the the record means a lot so did it uh sales and expectations uh match what you know saying who i felt it should have (laughs) no this record should have been multi-platinum you know my my records i'll say this as a general rule of thumb get appreciated 10 years after they were mm-hmm. made. You know, they go, oh my God, it was great. Well, yeah, I wish you had said that back <laughs> 10 years ago when it came out, you know. Well, what had happened was... So as best as you could tell it, what was the story of the second album? Like we, we've, we've been talking about the first album, but now I believe there's three albums total, right? Under the Grave Day's name. Yeah, uh, the, the last one was, I think, strictly done by Poetic and Fruquan. No okay. Um, the second album, which uh, is the pick, the sickle, and the shovel, um, I wasn't really planning on doing a second album. Like my first album, and, and I don't know if I said this in the beginning, was to have everybody collectively be able to do their own solo thing. Where like we, that was the, the, the part of the goal of it was to create a platform. Right. Because as individuals, we weren't doing well. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I was going through whatever. Like I said, everybody was going through something. But my thing was to put superpowers together, get the attention. And as we get the attention, 
and meeting people and traveling. Make your connections, make your move, set up your solo stuff, whatever you're going to do, because this is it. You tried to have that as an intention that y'all have this platform and they're able to launch solo careers. But right. That didn't necessarily happen. It didn't happen on a few levels because one, RZA had his own thing. Like right. unbeknownst to him, it blew up like right. the, to all of us. Um, I think poetic and I would have to say Fuquan, you know, and they might differ in opinion on this. We're really pushing grave diggers. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's good. You know what I'm saying? They were, which made them lose a little bit of focus on the individual thing. Gotcha. And usually it's the other way around. So I have to give them a lot of credit because that's loyalty. Me, from the gate, I'm thinking that I'm ready to do the next thing. I'm, I'm, this is cool. I did my part. I gave, you know, I gave these guys, a, 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 like, as you said, a platform, a place to launch their own thing. I'm going to keep it pushing. Well, real quick. Yes. Because now you've got me thinking, too. So you put a lot of work into making this album. It comes out. There's videos, there's assets. Um, you know, an important part of getting the word out about an album is touring. Right. Did y'all, were y'all able to do a lot of touring, considering oh, yeah, RZA's situation yeah. was that he was on his own planet doing his own thing? No, I mean, the, the good thing about RZA is he, he took the time to actually uh, do the shows. That's and dope. Stuff. So, I mean, one, I remember one toy went on, it was... Gravediggers and Wu Tang. Okay, and we traveled uh, some some major cities in the U.S. Uh, we shared a tour bus together, which was very interesting. That sounds like madness. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. Yo, man, we were on tour together. <laughs> I remember we were in upstate somewhere, and the cops chased down the bus, and, and, I, and they were looking for guns on the bus. It was just bizarre. Like I've I've been on a few tours and a few tour situations, but. I've never on that level of uh, animosity. <laughs> <laughs> like just in, in, in inter, like but in the members of the tour, animosity? Or? Nah, nah, I'm just saying just like, you know, the way people view the group. I mean. Oh, I see. Because I see. everybody's waiting for something to pop off. You gotcha. know what I'm saying? Like, yo, this Wu-Tang, you know, it's great. Figures. You know, so we're always, there's a everybody's certain amount of. tense and on edge. And, yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, yeah, I mean, for, for the most part. And I'm not saying like us as a group, like we all got along mm-hmm. great. Like it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, ODB, uh, God rest his soul, was very entertaining. <laughs> oh, whole. I imagine. I could only and, imagine. And weirdly enough, as as different as you might see him and I, we hung out a lot on that tour. You know what I'm saying? We became pretty cool. Man, y'all ended up working together on other stuff outside of that, too. So it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy, man. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was more or less. I remember we went someplace down south and they we I guess from the hotel, they had like a van for us to go to the venue. And it was like somewhere deep in the woods. It was just a bizarre place to have a, a, a show. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, I remember they were saying like, yo. When the show was over, they like, oh, we got to get out of here, man. Dudes out here got guns. They all camped out there. You know, they want to shoot at the blah, blah, Because everybody wants to test the toughness of Wu-Tang and or you about what you preach. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not everybody, but in that given situation. So there's always that. Like, you, you, when you travel with other, you know, such sign didn't get that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Y'all had jazz musicians yeah, waiting, yeah. To, yes. waiting after the show. <laughs> <laughs> so when I say that, I'm not saying it was, like, wild or anything, but it was different for right. me. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we also went to Japan, uh, which Riz, I think, missed the first two gigs. Oh, my God. He missed the first he two He missed gigs. the first two, and then I had to do his rhymes. 
Whoa. Why did you have to do his rhyme? Because uh, it took a third MC. I could play the music and, you know, I didn't MC. Right. And I was like, F it. I'll do it. <laughs> and, and he doesn't have the most easily uh, mimicable style. You know what? I have a lot of respect for... Uh, you MCs, not you MCs, the group, <laughs> the group, which I do have respect for them, but you, comma, MCs, is because it took a lot of stamina mm. to go, you know, in the streets of New York, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, ah, rah, you know, I'm like, <laughs> resurrect ah, yeah, yeah. ah, <laughs> protect your neck, kid. You know, it was, it just took a lot. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot of work. So it, he finally came, we did that. And it was, I think um, Method Man was there. I think he was on on the on the bill. I don't know if all the Wu Tang, mm -hmm. and then we did Europe, which I, I have some footage of that. Oh, that's awesome! I have some footage of that. Yo, here goes the ill thing. Okay, we we go, <laughs> we're about to go to Europe, right? And we're all at the airport. You know, we we I think we're going for like I don't know how many weeks, maybe almost a month. It was it was going to be a minute, whatever the tour is. So everybody has their big bags and carrying stuff. RZA comes in with you know them little like plastic like. Like supermarket bags. <laughs> With, I don't know what he had, like maybe a pair of underwears, you know, shirt. Yo, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Yo, man. I was like, where's your luggage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always been a guy that seems like he's not phased by anything. Huh. Like he, he could put himself in what would I would feel would be an uncomfortable situation. He's cool with that. Hmm. He's cool with rocking, you know, a two day lockout in the studio, uh, having 30 people sleep at his house and, ha you know, going on tour with a bag. <laughs> and this is not an exaggeration with a small bag. Wow. I, that's not even a carry-on. It's not even a, a backpack. Yeah, I don't even like. I feel like they wouldn't even let you on a plane if you just got an open <laughs> plastic bag. They just look at you like you're crazy. Yo, and that that freaked me out to this day, man. I was like, yo, I, I sometimes I really admire the fact that he can just like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, it's beautiful. So now, what would you say? You know, given given your limited involvement in it, what was the story of the second album? You picked the sickle and the shovel. Uh, the second album, like I said, everybody had an opportunity to develop their careers for the first album, but I've noticed that poetic and Fruquan really that wasn't their focus, mm -hmm. and I and I felt that their revenue stream. Then this is not them telling me. This is just my own observation would have ended. Right. And I didn't and I feel responsible for that, you know, in, in some ways. They're grown men, but there is a camaraderie and there's a love and a loyalty. And there's also a different skill set, too. Right. Where right. like they're amazing MCs and you're a producer and you have connections in the business and you're able to make stuff happen that they can't necessarily that like maybe it's not within their skill set to do. Yeah, but that's why we made that first record. <laughs> that made it their so skill they, so set. So they could get the skill set, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, you're meeting everybody. But anyway, um, I didn't really want to be involved. I, my heart wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, how how do I make this happen? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Ah, light bulb came up. Call up RZA said, hey, look, we're supposed to do the second record. I'm not really into it. I don't think you're into it. I think po it'd be good for Poetic and Fruquan to have this album so they can we can get the advance. They can make some money. Is it the same label? Same label, G okay. Street. So he, uh, I said, well, I got an idea. I know you, you're putting on a lot of uh, producers and people in your camp. 
And this is an opportunity to get them work so they can make money and produce a project. Have them produce most of the Gravedigger album. It's good for you because now your people can make money. They can get a check. Poetic and Fruquan can get a check. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lay back. You know, I'll probably do one or two things, maybe a skit or whatever on there. And uh, I'm going to leave this up to you. And he's like, good idea. Word. And that's how that's how the second album came about. Because not only at that point uh, is it working for them, but it's actually it makes sense for RZA, too, because he does have people around him and it's good for him to help them people get work. Yeah, it's it's a good look, you know, on on all levels, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, of course, I, you know, me being an artist for the record, I, I know I make a little bit of money. But I think the difference is for this one, you know, a lot of the writing, the publishing and whatever else goes to the, the people to, who yeah, made the music. Yeah. Right. All right. I really enjoyed that record, that album more than the first. Just my experience with it, like my life experience. Like I remember being really deep into hip hop, being deep into what everybody in the Native Tongues doing, everything, Wu-Tang, all that stuff was like, that's my address, right? Right. So I remember that album being announced. I remember going to pick up that album at a Sam Goody, you know what I mean? And just really spending time with that tape. Um, so the album's near and dear to me. Can, can I add something to that? Sure. I have to say... Definitely the second record, lyrically, is phenomenal. That's exactly what I was about to touch on, because to me, one of my big takeaways was what I perceived as like a giant leap, especially for Poetic, because like, of course, I remember his voice being very distinctive for the first album and, and his styles, but like, on the second album, his writing was just beastly. Just a weakling, seeking the pee from Stilo. I sting like mosquitoes, ten times as lethal. The skill of my tongue is similar to a tiller to hunt. Swinging a sword, grim as gruesome. World renowned like. He was such a strong MC on this album. And, you know, listening back to it now made me want to ask you, like, did he ever mention, like, wanting to make like a stronger impression oh yeah the course of this album he oh, going on the second album that that definitely was his goal because he was sitting there saying like look you know all the ah, da, 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 is cool he's like i'm just gonna rhyme straight on this i want people to really know that i can rhyme right. and i can write and right. i and i'm nice and you know me as a producer i'm always like Ah oh, man, just go. Then as a person, man, just take it to the next level. Let's do something different. Let's do something different. He was like, "No, I want to do this," mm -hmm. and and I'm glad he did because, like I said, listening back and just as you mentioned, like, yo, he's tight. Like, yo. He's, he really put it put it in because I put his feet in the rocks. What you know, I you know, because people, the bar in that group would always be risen. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think part of it was him tired of like questioning. You know, like, yeah, the other guy's cool. Yeah, you know, Poetic does whatever, da-da-da, Fraquan does whatever. He wanted to clearly make himself a standout. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, he did it, man. I used to always pit him and RZA together to battle. Yeah? Yeah, I used to... Uh, used to instigate? Oh, what? We'd be in the studio. I remember at least on two occasions, I would go to RZA and go, yo, man, Poetic's kind of nice, man. I think he gets you. <laughs> then I go to Poetic's like, yo, man, I don't know if you can get RZA, man. He's just... And I just watched them just like go back Tear and forth. Tear each other apart. What? It's beautiful. <laughs> you know? It seems like, uh, not to veer off too much, but today's MCs, like people don't really care about like being the best. They just care about like how much money they make and popularity and hits. You True. know what I'm saying? With, you know, the art form, I, I love where the art form is like, oh, I'm better than you. I'm mm -hmm. nice. Nobody can beat me. Right. I love that in, in, in MCs, man. Love it. Did you have a hand in like picking the singles? 
for the second album at all? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. The the first single was Dangerous Minds. Yeah. Which was mind blowing to me because like, wait a minute, there's no snare. Like the whole song, there's no snare. You know, I never noticed that. I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of it right now. Well, it's a snare, but it's just like not. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 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 I love yeah. this song. Yeah. I love this it's song. It's really awesome. Yeah. It's funny because it actually yeah. there is a snare, but it's more of the kind of snare you hear now, where it's kind of just super tucked back in the mix. Killing it. But if you're too poor to move out or get a new house, it's like living in a war, walking through shootouts. And you doubt God exists when hard fists be pounding on your head like jackhammers. You're trapped in the black drama. You hear the laughter. Seconds after that, you fade out. You played out. You laid out. Your heart nearly gave out. You're lucky that you made out with just a few scars when the bleeding ends. The streets let you breathe again. But evil men will soon be on the receiving, receiving end of universal law. law. I'm calling on the meek in the poor to fight back and never forfeit. The day you have to go to war with forces that are on the point of seven continental Ooh. borders. A mental fortress is essential to absorb this. My sword is the human orb. Uh. Until it orbits <laughs> in the art of war, kids see. Grim Reap be morbid. Sent pieces of the lost civilization in the past had my photograph etched inside of pyramids to laugh at this revelation without 365 days of concentration and 24-hour meditation would be foolishly pagan, pagan. I'm, I'm ancient as amen see I stay grim throwing foes in a pit full of pit bulls to, to be, be shaken or strapped to the crossroads oh, of I can I can listen to that forever I mean just spazzing oh straight up and down spazzing he, he, he kills it man I remember when he did I was like yo you did it man yeah <laughs> and then RZA comes in I love RZA's verse too it's awesome it really is like, and and I don't know how many bars in were, but it's way more than sixteen. Oh no, no, they, <laughs> that that that's one thing I, I like about making a lot of these records uh, with Grave Diggers is the rule is no rule. Mm-hmm. You know, we just go whatever sounds good. You know, and and I'm talking more lyrically than anything else. Right. It's like okay, that works. Let's just do it. You know, so there's really no structure. You know, and. Same thing, like I said, when we talk about Diary of Mad Men, there's no hook. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, just a haphazard record. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that that, that second album, Poetics um, Contributions, always really struck me. I thought it was awesome. And, um, you know, that that is really the album that made me really focus on him as an artist. And, you know, and, of course, there's a, there's his untimely passing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, as, as much as you would feel comfortable, like, can you talk about his passing it was very unexpected hmm. um it i think the sad part is you know when you see somebody slowly dying and it was, it's can it was cancer yeah right? he had colon cancer uh-huh. if i remember correctly and um it you know i remember seeing him in the hospital and you know seeing what his recovery would be and he wasn't really slated to live for too long mm. you know and he fought the odds he lived way longer than he was supposed to at least at least if i remember correctly and, and like i said you know i stand to be corrected uh, at least about a, a year more than they said that he would live wow and um you know in a lot of ways you know looking back he he fought hard man and he recorded a lot during that time um in in a lot of ways for me too, like looking back and, you know, I wish I could have been there more for him too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's a lot of things, like a lot more things we could have recorded, a lot more things we could have did. 
but you never know. Time right. time is, is is so it's is a big question mark. Right. And, right? You, and you certainly can't do everything. Yeah. You know. But I think to slowly see somebody die mm. is 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 sad. You know what I'm saying? See anybody hear anybody die, but to see that and just to see him change and but the one thing I did admire about him was his spirit to live and to keep creating. Mm. Like he continued to create to, you know, Man, like way beyond like, you know, where people would normally just kind of give up and kind of just chill out like he was rhyming to the end. And to me, that's very, very impressive. Very impressive. I I took a lot from that. You um, worked very closely with him. You mentioned, you know, Dirty earlier who you had worked with. Fife, you know, Native Tongues you worked with. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. You know, life expectancy in black men is not super high. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've lost people, you know what I mean, that you worked with. Yeah. Like, have you, is there a particular way you've learned to, like, process that? Um, Man, it see, it, it's hard for me because, you know, my family in general, like, uh, has passed young. Hmm. So, you know... Even for me talking about this is like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's re- it's real touchy. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, whenever it's your time, is your time, right? And and I won't dwell on this too long, but you don't try to run to finish that race quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously things you can do to kind of slow that down a bit. And right. I think you know, when you're younger, especially young, young in general, not just black men, but just young in general. You just think you're immortal, mm-hmm. and and you don't realize one day you will get older, and that will catch up to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all those, all that little wilding out, and all the whatever, like yeah, whatever. If you're very fortunate to to have an older age, those things you look back on, you're like, yo, I wish I hadn't. Have, I wish I would have did. And I do that now. I to to this day, there's things I'm like, man, you know, and there's things I gotta do, and there's you know, it, it's 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 really tough, but you know. You try to tell the youth that, and they don't. They don't care. Mm. They, you know, what I'm saying, just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's that's you, old man. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. You know, I'm gonna jump off this bridge, and <laughs> take this mess <laughs> at the same time. And take this mess and getting this uh, this twelve people orgy. Yeah, you know, mm. so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's tough, man. Well, in um summary, if we talk about the grave diggers. What do you think the legacy of the grave diggers is? Is legacy something you? think about when it comes to, you know, these kind of projects and these groups that you've been involved with? Not at all. Hmm. I don't, you know, when I make music or in any project, it's whatever I'm feeling at the moment. To me, I don't know if there's an overall legacy, but I like, and I'm sure you get this often with your your music, is how it impacted somebody's life at a specific time or got them through something. You know, so on overall, I I don't think about that, but when I do hear the individual stories and what it means to people and what they've learned uh, or how it got them through something, to me that means a lot. Because there's a lot of music that that has done that for me, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And it's it's, it's on the subject of mortality, which I don't really like to talk about. Sean Price's record, weirdly enough, (laughs) <laughs> got me through a time when my mom mm. passed. Even though that's so odd to it, that right. record to, you know. Right, because it's not a sentimental record. No, not at all. <laughs> but maybe for it not being that, it got me through that. Right. I haven't had a chance to tell him that. You know mm. what I'm saying? But but it meant a lot to me, you know, amongst other music I listen to. So that to me has been more important on any record I've done 
uh, it's changed my life. And I always ask, I hope for the best. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We get locked up behind it. Like, no, 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 it's been great. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't really think of legacy. But, uh, you know, if it inspires others to, uh, you know, talk about the mentally dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or if anything, to put other people on. And, and here goes a, a little fun fact. And uh, it, I'm sure he might dispute it, but I can remember it clearly. Um, when I was on, we were on tour. I think the Gravediggers, uh, it was a and public enemy with Ice Cube. And I remember sitting down. We were, it was me, Chuck D., and uh, Ice Cube, and he, Ice Cube was asking me about the Grave Diggers. He's like, "Yo, man, I see you know you." Ice you, Cube was asking, "Yeah, about, okay. yeah." So he put the group together, and I explained the same thing I told you. Like, yeah, it was the superpowers of putting people together, and he was like, "Yo, it's a good idea. Uh-huh. I could get me WC and Mac Ten, whoa, and we could do da 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 da." So. As though I probably would never get credit, and though he may never give me credit for this, that was the brainchild for him doing that project. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So That's awesome. Hey, man, six degrees separation. Everybody. Well, you know, part, I think part of, part of us doing this podcast, you know, we're going we're gonna to make sure you get your credit. We're going we're gonna to shoot this directly I would like at to Ice Cube for, on Twitter. Hey, man, he has the big three. He could give me that credit. And, and credit don't take no money. You know what I'm saying? Just it's one time, years. I was playing basketball with Ice Cube, and we only had three people. <laughs> and the next thing I know, <laughs> and we became the big three. <laughs> Well, I love this group. Um, I love these projects. And, um, you know, it's good to be able to talk and hear about the inspirations behind all of them. Any lasting words about Gravediggers? The one thing I think, not just for the Gravediggers, but just in general, is I think as a rule of thumb is is, uh, always stick to your guns and whatever you make. Like, as I had mentioned earlier, like, it took me a year to get a deal, mm-hmm. right? In some cases, people never get a deal. But I think it's one of those things like even through the darkest moments, you just you don't give up. And I think also um, collaboration and loyalty to each other means a lot mm-hmm. because we helped each other through these times. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, people don't know that in listening to the record, but I think after listening to this podcast and if you revisit the record with this in mind, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh I think I hope more more artists apply that. You know, it's like, you know, we all go through our dark times. Me and you talked about it early. Mm-hmm. You go through stuff or whatever, but it's the perseverance to everything. What are you talking about, Paul? I never had dark times. <laughs> I've never had a dark day in my life. <laughs> oh, man, we talk about uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, that's enough on, on this subject. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we'll catch y'all. We'll catch y'all. Next week, while I uh, try to get Paul to cry some more. Man, yeah, was, <laughs> he's a tough man. That's right, every time. I'm supposed to make this easy on me, man. <laughs> oh, I'm open, Mike Eagle. That's Prince Paul. Yep, yep. And this is what had happened was talk soon. <laughs>